When they were gone through the isle unto Paphos, that is the isle of Cyprus, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, a wise man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Here was a man called Elymas the sorcerer, so as his name by interpretation withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, O oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You shall be blind. You'll not see the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. He went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Dr. Mitchell continues our study in the book of Acts, resuming in Acts chapter 13, verse 5. In this passage, Luke writes about Barnabas and Saul at the outset of their first missionary journey. And from the outset, there is satanic opposition from a false prophet. This magician tried to hinder an intelligent official from hearing the word of God. But Saul whose name is changed to Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to this false prophet such judgment that the man was blind and unable to see for some time. Here, Dr. Mitchell tells us that Paul was specifically anointed for this purpose and task. We are exhorted to be filled with the Holy Spirit each day, to walk with the Savior, and to live life in fellowship with Him. On the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, here is Dr. Mitchell, Acts chapter 13, verse 5. Today, friends, again we come to you, and we're in the 13th chapter of the book of the Acts. And allow me to repeat what I said in our last lesson. In the first 12 chapters, Peter is the central figure as the witness of the gospel, especially to the Jewish people. Uh, he, in chapter 2, chapter 3, 4, and 5, he dealt with, with Israel and its leaders, and in chapter 8, the gospel went down to Samaria. In chapter 10, Peter was a messenger to the Gentiles, the house of Cornelius. In chapter 12, he's in jail, and the, God, and the Lord delivers him. Now, from 13 through 28, we have the church witnessing to the Gentiles 
and Paul becomes the central, the central figure. Now, as you remember, Paul has three great missionary journeys. And the, Paul's first missionary journey is chapters 13 and 14. And I was dealing in our last lesson with how God chose his servants. You have perfect cooperation between the church leadership and the Spirit of God. You'll notice that uh, the Spirit of God called and separated them and sent them. Yeah, the Spirit of God is the one who leads in this. And he made the appointment, separated them, sent them. And yet, and yet the church acted in perfect cooperation with the Lord. They knew exactly what the Spirit of God wanted to do. So, Barnabas and Saul were released by the church, sent by the Spirit of God. And I want it very clearly understood. The Spirit of God was the activating force in this. And he's sovereign in whom he chooses. I'm reminded of that passage in Corinthians 12. The Spirit of God gives unto each individual member of the body of Christ a gift as it has pleased him. The Spirit of God is sovereign in the bestowal of gifts. The Spirit of God is sovereign in our position in the body of Christ. The Spirit of God is sovereign in the matter of testimony. What he wants is our cooperation with him. And whether you go or whether you stay, the important thing is to cooperate with God. That means you must minister unto the Lord. He must be the center of your affection, and your will must be turned over to him. And, and don't be under conviction like some people are uh, when they feel they haven't been called to the mission field. Some go, some stay. In this case, you will notice, only two left, only two went, and the rest stayed. Some stay, some pray, some give, and some encourage, but we are all part of the ministry of reaching the world for Christ. Now, allow me again to repeat what you have in the book of Matthew chapter 9 at the end of the chapter where the Lord said to the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, and the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will thrust forth his laborers into his harvest. There's a harvest to be gathered in, but he picks his laborers, and he picks the ones who are ministering unto him, who are yielded unto him. Why hasn't the gospel reached the whole world? Here we have hundreds of millions of people in the earth today who've never heard the very name of Jesus. I see, Mr. Mitchell, everybody's heard it. Hit on the radio. Listen, I sat down with some some tribal people in North Thailand, and I tell you, it just got a hold of my heart. I talked to five tribal people together, and I asked them the question. They had heard the missionary was there, talked to them, and he put a record on with one of one of their own Christian leaders, uh, pastors, gave the message, and when it was through, I said to these to these dear tribal people of the Miao tribe in North Thailand, I said, have you ever heard anything like that before? I said, no. Do you ever hear of Jesus before? No. What do you think of it? And the oldest one of the group said, it's a wonderful story, if it's true. If it's true. Here I was faced with someone who had never 
even heard the name of Jesus. In the 20th century, how glad I am for the radio, for this mass media whereby we can reach into homes that would otherwise not be reached. Maybe I'm talking to some today who have never seen inside an evangelical church, but you listen to us on the radio. We want to come to you with the precious Word of God. We want you to fall in love with the Savior, having, after you put your trust in Him. For to know Him is to love Him. And you can only know Him as you read the Word of God. And then minister to the Lord, and He will make known to you what He wants you to do. That's what He did here. He chose Barnabas and Saul and sent them out. And the church cooperated with them. And they went down to the island of Cyprus. And that was where Barnabas had his home. Now let's go on from there. From verse from verse five, right down to verse to verse thirteen, uh, you have where where you have the opposition to the message. Now here they go out for the first time to preach the gospel to Gentiles. I read this: when they were gone through the isle unto Paphos, that is the isle of Cyprus, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar Jesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, a wise man, who called for, the, for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now let me see here now. Paul and Barnabas went down in verse 5. He preached in the, the word of God in the synagogue in Salamis, and then they went on down to the Paphos on the same island. And as they were giving out the word of God, here was the, the deputy of the country, an officer of the country, uh, he wanted to hear the gospel. He wanted to hear the word of God. And the moment the word of God is brought to them, you've got satanic opposition. For I read, here was a man called Elymas the sorcerer. For his, his, so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Now here's a man who wants to hear the word of God. However, he is a Jew, a false prophet, whom I believe is demon-possessed. He tries to stop this leader hearing the word of God. You know, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 16. The first time that the Lord Jesus uh, declared what the purpose of his Father was for him, that he's going to suffer He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be raised again from the dead. And you remember Peter said, This be far from thee, Lord. What he meant was, get this idea out of your head. I've just declared that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And as such, how can you die? You know what the Lord's answer was? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Here you have the opposition of Satan using one of the closest to the Savior, even Peter, to try and thwart the purpose of God and his Son. May I say to you today that when you and I yield our lives to the Lord and the purpose of God for our life is made known, the chances are you're going to have some satanic opposition. This is what we have here. He was a man who wanted to hear the word of God. And he was Elymas the sorcerer who didn't want, to hear him, didn't want him to hear the word of God. He tried to turn the deputy away from the faith. 
for putting his trust in the Savior. He is a man, I believe, that God has prepared his heart for the message. Immediate opposition. Now notice what, what happens. Verse 9, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him, and said, O oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right way of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You shall be blind. You'll not see the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. He went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Let me just stop right here. You notice that Paul was filled with the Spirit of God. And being filled with the Spirit of God, he also had discernment. It's what God does. Do you remember in chapter 5, with Ananias and Sapphira? Peter must have been filled with the Spirit of God when he said to, uh, to Ananias, did you get so much for your property? Yes. And he lied about it. And immediately Peter knew that he had been deceived by Ananias, and the judgment of God fell upon him. Same with Sapphira. Now we have here with Paul. Say, well, Mr. Mitchell, verse, uh, that verse 10, that's terrible. That was a terrible judgment to bring upon this man. Look at the names he called him. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, child of the devil, enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? What an indictment. But my friend, when a person is filled with the Spirit of God, he also had discernment. And he discerned the heart of this man. Now, I believe that that Paul here was filled with the Spirit of God for a specific purpose. Now, I don't believe that every time a believer is filled with the Spirit of God, he's going to do a thing like this. I think there are times when the Spirit of God comes upon his people to do a specific thing. May I just add here, lest I be misunderstood, it is possible for a woman, a child of God, or a man, a child of God, to be filled with the Spirit of God and go about your daily tasks. I believe that as long as one is walking in fellowship with the Savior, your spirit filled, whether he has any experiences or not. The trouble today is we think if your spirit filled, you're going to have some great experience. That's not true. That's not true. If I am not spirit filled when I'm walking in fellowship with the Savior, please tell me, when will I be filled? When will you be filled? Certainly, You'll not be filled with the Spirit of God if you're out of touch with the Savior. And if you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, then the Spirit of God has right of way. You'll be Spirit-filled. It's just that simple. Don't try to make it uh, deep and confound. Get people all stirred up and get them uncertain about things. And I have people, bless their dear hearts, they love the Savior, but they're as proud as peacocks because of some experience they've had. That doesn't mean that the experience was were filled with the Spirit of God. I believe a woman can take care of her home, wash her dishes, take care of her house, and I think she'll keep a better house 
once she is filled with the Spirit of God, take care of her children. And when she is filled with the Spirit of God, her, her life will be full of love for her children, and they'll know it. Same with you husbands. You can do your job down at the shop, and you walk with the Savior, and your very attitude will reveal the fact not only that you're a Christian, but you're filled with the Spirit of God. However, I must also say this, there are times when God, by His Spirit, will come upon a believer to do a specific thing. I think that's what you have here. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and discerned what kind of a man this fellow was. A terrible indictment. You're full of mischief. You're full of subtlety. You're a child of the devil. You're an enemy of all righteousness. And you never stop trying to, to thwart, to pervert the right ways of the Lord. What a terrible thing it was for this man, this Jew. And I believe demon-possessed, the child of the devil, was demonstrated by keeping people from coming to know the Savior. I want to tell you, my friend, it's a terrible thing in the sight of God for you or anybody else to hinder men and women coming to Christ. I know what I'm talking about. I could sit down here and tell you of times of experiences of people who have been hindered from coming to Christ because of some other member of the family, and then, and then trouble started. And the very ones who, who hindered them coming to Christ will come to you and ask you to help them out in their predicament. You can't play fast and loose with God. I hope you heard that. You just can't play fast and loose with God. God is righteous. God is holy. But you say, but he's also merciful. He's a God of love and mercy. His mercy endureth forever. Yes, that's true. But do not forget he's a righteous God. And if one claims the name of Christ, don't be surprised if you come under the chastening hand of God. Now, in this case, this man was not a child of God. This man was full of the devil, and he was hindering another man coming to Christ. So you have the judgment in verse 11. Now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. The Lord put him out of the way just for a season. I want you to mark the judgment was limited. The, the discipline was limited just for a season. Possibly, I just say this, possibly, that this man may, when his eyes, natural eyes were opened, his spiritual eyes might be opened and see something of the glory and the beauty of our Savior. Because God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Remember that. God loves people. There's only one way. There's only one mediator between God and men, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. May I just stop here for a second? This is the great cry of Job, you remember. Oh, that I had somebody who could put his hand on God and put his hand on me. 
You find that in the book of Job chapter 9 and also at the end of chapter 16 when he said, I would, I want someone who plead with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. How wonderful, how wonderful, how wonderful that God has made the provision. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And he could say, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out, find pasture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, except the name of Jesus. See, friend, what I'm trying to get to your heart is God loves people. He loves you. He loves, I don't care what their background is, what their condition, what their circumstances are. I'm sure of one thing, that wherever God finds an open heart that really means business, I tell you, God will meet that need. And sometimes when I read this passage, even though Paul in verse 10 calls him all kinds of names, and he was discerning that, that this man was full of subtlety and mischief, he's a child of the devil, an enemy of righteousness, and you're never going to stop See, are you not going to stop perverting the way of the Lord? Yes. The judgment fell for a season. I say, I wonder if God is not still pleading with this man. Just like, like the Lord used Peter in chapter 4 and 5 when he pleaded with the leaders of Israel. I know through ignorance you did it. And you took God's precious Son and you put him on a cross and you put him in the grave, and you cast him out, and you maligned him, and you mistreated him. But God put him on the throne, and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. God exalted him to be a prince and a savior, with all authority to take sinners and transform them into saints. He'll take even those who crucified the savior and forgive them every sin and transform them into his children. This is what God wants to do. This is what God loves to do. And I'm so glad when you come down to verse 12, I read, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine, the teaching of the Lord. And then you have Paul and his company uh, leaving Paphos and go down to Perga and Pamphylia. And then I read that John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. What I'm after here is the deputy, when the hindrance was removed and Satan was rebuked, this man was delivered. Why? He wanted the Word of God. He's hungry for some reality of the living God. And God is going to meet that need. And God's going to meet your need. Do you know that? Do you know that? God is willing to meet your need even today. And I, I'm so happy to say, thank God, there is, there is a way whereby you can come to know him whom to know is life eternal. Now the Lord bless you today, and, and may you enjoy the Savior. Whether it's working in the home or in the factory, wherever you are, just you enjoy the Lord today. He's a wonderful Savior. He's a blessed, glorious Lord. Lord bless you. me why I'm happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone, 
And when I met the scoffers who asked me where they are, I say my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. T'was at the old-time altar where God came in my heart, and now my sins are gone. The Lord took full possession, the devil did depart. I'm glad my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. I'm living now for Jesus, I'm happy night and day, because my sins are gone. My soul is filled with music, with all my heart I say, I know my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.